I V M. You are listening to the Signal Daily, brought to you by Front Page Studios. Office of Communications, also known as Ofcom, which is the UK's broadcasting watchdog, is likely to receive authorization from British Prime Minister Rishi Sunak to regulate OTT platforms. The media bill was first introduced by the Boris Johnson administration, and it called for Ofcom to regulate foreign-based streaming companies. And now it has been confirmed by Sunak that this agenda won't change. According to reports, the new law gives Ofcom's jurisdiction the authority to fine these OTTs up to two hundred and fifty thousand pounds if the platforms don't comply with the new laws. But why is this happening? So Netflix has come under fire for allegedly misleading viewers in Harry and Meghan, the six-part documentary series. The Telegraph reports that a photograph used in the documentary's trailer to demonstrate how the royal couple was hawked by the media. Originally appeared to have been taken at a Harry Potter film premiere five years prior to when the couple had started dating. The report also suggests that the documentary's inclusion of the late Queen Elizabeth II's speech that she gave in South Africa on her twenty-first birthday was edited. Some critics claim that the objective behind the edit was to make it appear as though the Queen's pledge of service was solely focused on the empire and the empire alone. Point being, the UK broadcasting watchdog was compelled to inform the general public after receiving some complaints that it is currently unable to take any action against Netflix following the release of Prince Harry and Meghan Markle's documentary. So now, this is what Sunak and his cabinet want to fix with a law. Although this legislation is unlikely to be passed until the next year, when it does, Ofcom will have the authority to control streaming services like Netflix and Apple TV Plus that are not based out of the UK. Reports suggest that Ofcom will be responsible for creating a new "quote-unquote" video-on-demand code that is anticipated to resemble the guidelines established for the BBC and other regional networks. The Ofcom broadcasting code is quite stringent, though. For instance, after 9 p.m. GMT, UK television networks are only permitted to air content that is password protected if it contains profanity. In another instance, the court forbids broadcasters from airing any content that could encourage criminal activity or public disorder. With the help of this new law, audiences will also be able to report to Ofcom shows that they think violate the new code of conduct on Netflix, Amazon Prime, and other streaming services. Besides that, Netflix is facing another problem with the British government. Yesterday, new piracy guidelines were released by the UK government's Intellectual Property Office, or IPO, and it states that Netflix password sharing could be a crime. The IPO told Torrent Freak, a publication that reports on piracy and more, that password sharing is illegal in the country. But do you see a pattern emerging here? For the past few years, several countries are catching up with the growing power of streaming services, and their solution: regulation. Does that sound familiar? Well, it should. In August 2022, the Indian government announced new guidelines to regulate social media platforms, OTT service providers, and digital content producers. With the new guidelines in place, the government expects OTT platforms to comply and create content that is more secure for children. That raises the question of why OTT platforms ought to be regulated. 
Well, simply because users' right to privacy may be at risk in the absence of regulations. For the next few minutes, you are going to know a little more than you did yesterday from the world of technology, business, policy, and anything that leaves you with a food for thought. Hello, I'm Farheen Khan, and this is the deep dive for 21st December 2022. Nearly 200 countries signed what is being touted as a historic agreement to arrest biodiversity loss. This happened at the recent UN Convention on Biological Diversity or the COP15 summit that was being held at Montreal. After weeks of negotiation over how to finance biodiversity preservation, the Kunming Montreal Global Biodiversity Framework was adopted right on the final day of the Environment Summit. and it has 23 targets for 2030 including the 30 by 30 target which is aimed at protecting at least 30% of land and water by 2030 to avert the looming extinction crisis that we are currently facing let me also tell you about some of the other goals one has to do with reducing by half both excess nutrients and the overall risk posed by pesticides and highly hazardous chemicals Other targets are progressively phasing out or reforming by 2030 subsidies that harm biodiversity. Another one is doubling the overall biodiversity funding to 200 billion dollars annually. Governments have also pledged to ensure that transnational companies and financial institutions transparently disclose their risks, dependencies and impacts on biodiversities through their operations, supply and value chains and portfolios. Now some are calling this the quote unquote Paris moment for biodiversity preservation referring to the Paris climate deal of 2015 where nations had agreed to keep world temperature below 2 degrees celsius but look sadly the governments are terribly behind the paris agreement pledges and that's why perhaps there's good reason to take the cop 15 pledges with a pinch of salt and there are some red flags as well Firstly, the agreement itself may be a historic milestone, but none of it is actually legally binding. So, who's going to be keeping a check on whether any of these targets will actually be achieved? And the thing is, governments have been there before, made pledges that were never met. Parties to the CBD or the Convention on Biological Diversity, who met in 2010 in Japan, had committed to 20 targets, but according to a UN report, at a global level, Not a single of those targets have been fully met in the past 10 years. The second concern is that not all signatories are on the same page. According to a report in the Wall Street Journal, Brazil and Indonesia are among countries that signed on to the new agreement but asked for funding. The European Union wants stricter targets, and the US isn't even a part of the deal thanks to Republican lobbying. Now, coming to the conservation pledges, Currently only 17% of land and 10% of oceans are protected areas and as i mentioned earlier the cop15 delegates have vowed to protect 30% of earth's lands oceans coastal areas and inland waters but one of the biggest criticisms of such a kind of conservation is how it ousts indigenous populations and local communities from these quote unquote protected areas even though they are actually the guardians of 80% of our existing biodiversity While some feel that indigenous groups didn't get adequate recognition at COP15, others have welcomed the inclusion of their communities and recommendations in the targets. But now it's about putting words to action, and perhaps you'll agree with me that we can't afford delays because biodiversity forms the very basis of our existence.
And yet, what we are witnessing right now is a baffling rate of biodiversity loss. If you just look at WWF's Living Planet Report of 2022, for instance, it has found that wildlife populations have declined by an average 69% in the past 50 years. According to a UN report, around 1 million species are threatened with extinction. Some researchers even believe that we are on the brink of another mass extinction. So, can COP15 pledges set the planet on the road to recovery? The Signal Daily is produced in association with IBM, the episode was written, researched and produced by Manaswini and Shorburi, edited by Venkatanand and Dinesh Narayan, mastered and mixed by Prasenjit Das. You can catch this podcast every morning on Spotify, Apple, Amazon Prime Music, Google Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We are TheSignal.co on Instagram, LinkedIn and Twitter.